house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast. Normally we are here every week to dive into the thwarted Oscar hopes of an awards bait movie. We've been doing this for a couple months now. We're having a really good time doing it. We hope you've been having a really good time listening to it. And we have a bonus episode for you, a midweek episode. Don't worry, you'll still get the new episode on Tuesday as scheduled. It's a really good one. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. Um, I'm your host, as always, senior writer for Decider.com, Joe Reed. I'm here with my co-host, entertainment writer, Chris File. Hey, Chris. Hello. Why are we here, Chris? What's, what brings us here on a Tuesday evening, on a humid Tuesday evening at that? <laughs> we are here with um, a very exciting news that we are very excited about that is semi-adjacent to our concerns here at this podcast. We're here to talk about the first announcements of the films that we'll be playing this year's Toronto International Film Festival. Woo! Yes! Um... <laughs> Uh, we figured we would have a little TIFF update because both uh, because we're both going, because we're both very excited to be going. Very excited to be going, having the long haul. We'll be there. Both of us, I think, will be there most of the time, yes? Yeah, I'm going to be there. I leave on the very last yeah. day. I leave on the second last day. So, yeah, we are going to be there for a while. Long it's going to be great. I'm super looking forward to it. Um, and also because the Toronto Film Festival is pretty pertinent to our subject matter of Oscar movies and movies that hope to be Oscar movies. Um, why don't you give a quick little, I mean, I think our listeners are mostly on the same page, but give a quick little rundown about what TIFF is. So the Toronto International Film Festival, also known as TIFF, is a one of the biggest fall festivals, probably the biggest, the largest attended um, of all the, the most fall movies film. for sure. Most yeah. movies for sure. Their lineup is huge. It's several hundred movies usually, um, and it's known as the People's Festival. It's fairly accessible. It you know you can get average moviegoers going to this film festival. Um, where you're going to see Oscar movies, you're going to see movies that are still looking for distribution, you're going to be seeing global cinema there. So you get not just a wide range of movies, but you get a lot of press surrounding them. So it's yeah. a massive event, um, but it's also kind of seen as the kickoff to Oscar season as well. And I think more so than any other festival in terms of, especially from our end because we're both going to be covering it as press it's the festival where you can sort of your schedule is up to you whereas a lot of other festivals there are a lot fewer movies so you're basically seeing what they're offering you if you go to Cannes, if you go to sundance if you go to uh new york film festival there's choice but like toronto there's so many movies that you really it's on you to sort of make your own priorities so that's why when they announce the lineup um I feel like it's very exciting because everybody sort of picks out the movies that they're most excited for um, and then sort of gets to begins with the task of how they're going to make 
their Toronto Film Festival their own, which I find very exciting and very fun. And I think before I even started attending Toronto Film Festivals, I would always love to hear what people came back with because it was always something different. So I remember the one year, I feel like it was Pop Culture Happy Hour, and they came back and they're like, Joss Whedon made... Uh, black and white, much ado about nothing. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing that was happening. Um, so I don't know. I'm incredibly excited. Chris? I am, of course, incredibly excited as well. Um, to your point, what you were saying, that example, as huge as it is, part of what is special about it that is still huge is there is a sense of discovery still there. Like, you'll have studio movies that are going to show up at this festival, but then there is always room for people to go in and be surprised by something. There's quite a few examples historically of that. I think my mind always goes back to at least the one I was first cognizant of, of what a launch pad this can be for a movie that people aren't necessarily anticipating is American Beauty. Yeah, that's sort of the one that always gets pointed to as the kind of reputation builder for TIFF as a as an Oscar kingmaker. And so in recent years, that title has kind of gone away a little bit. I feel like the rise of Telluride and Venice, which happen right before TIFF now, um, have kind of taken that shine away from it. But like I will say this year's lineup, they announced the gala premieres and special presentations today and which isn't to say that they're not going to add more because they are and there's a bunch of other different sections that we'll talk about in a bit um but i feel like there's a lot of big time world premiere movies here normally you'll get a lot of like they'll they'll fiddle with the wording and the announcement they'll say well such and such is a canadian premiere such and such is a north american premiere and that's a little bit of a signal that like okay this movie is going to also play at venice or at telluride or somewhere well, and this year there's a few titles that were surprising that they were going to be world premieres. I think for some of the reason you were saying that Venice and Telluride have taken some of the shine away. They've yeah. gotten they they landed some pretty big world premieres that I don't think were quite expected that I'm sure we'll get into. So we're going to start off talking about the movies we're most excited about seeing at the festival and I feel like a couple of those big world premieres are going to fall into this category at least for me. Mine should come as no surprise It if you follow me on Twitter, which you should. Um, the movie that I have most anticipated this year, all year long, is showing up as a world premiere at TIFF, and it is Steve McQueen's Widows. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to go here. It's very exciting. This one feels like one of the big, unexpected world premieres. Um, because he had pl- he's previously played Venice before um, with Shame, um, and I believe 12 Years a Slave, um, and this is his 12 Years a Slave follow-up. It's a big studio movie. It's being distributed by Fox. It's a genre film. It's a The cast um, is insane. The, the cast, cast is, is absolutely, absolutely insane. insane. It's, uh, the cast is almost all you need to know <laughs> to be on board for this movie. It's Viola Davis in the lead um, with a supporting cast of Liam Neeson, Daniel Kaluuya, Cynthia Erivo, Elizabeth Debicki, Michelle Rodriguez, Colin Farrell. Um, and it's based off of a British crime show from the 80s. Um, and the script also comes from Gone Girl's Gillian Flynn, where essentially in a heist gone wrong, these widows of these, um, I guess, heisters, criminals, are... I love heisters. I'm going to use heisters. Heisters. 
you know, that's all you need to know about a movie yeah. that has some heisters. Um, but they are left with the debt of their dead husbands and have to go on a crime spree of their own. Um, I think one of the things that makes me most excited about this, aside from loving everything I've seen Steve McQueen do, um, it's exciting to see him work in a more mainstream genre mold. Um, yeah. Just to see what's going to come from that. And aside with the cast um, and just the whole assemblage, because even down to Gillian Flynn, there's nothing to not be excited about with this movie. Um, when the first trailer launched, it looks absolutely incredible. Um, he's re, um, re-teaming with his usual director of photography, Sean Bobbitt. Um, so it should also be gorgeous to look at. Um, yeah, I am super pumped for Widows. I'll give mine and then we'll do runners up a quick little mention of runners up in this category because it was very hard to whittle mine down to just one. Um, but mine is another world premiere that we kind of were not expecting. This was a director who, um, his last film had such a tie to Telluride. And I feel like Telluride kind of, you know, birthed that movie so well. We're talking about Barry Jenkins, whose Moonlight won Best Picture two years ago. And he is back this year, now at Toronto. Moonlight also played Toronto, but it was after it premiered at Telluride. Um, this year it's at t- Toronto first. It's called If Beale Street Could Talk. It is based on a novel by James Baldwin. The logline, as I'm quoting IMDb, a woman in Harlem desperately scrambles to prove her fiancé innocent of a crime while carrying their first child. I feel like... Moonlight sets such a precedent in terms of launching these, you know, introducing us to these great actors who we had never really experienced before or maybe only experienced on a more limited basis. His cast in this, just some of the names involved with this, uh, Diego Luna, Dave Franco, Pedro Pascal, Regina King, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Coleman Domingo, Tayona Paris... Stephen James from uh, from Selma, Finn Whitrock. It's really, I mean, you can see the difference with, like, once Moonlight came out, like, everybody wants to work with this guy. And I think, you know, with very good reason, I think he's one of the most exciting filmmakers we've got going. And this is going to be a really big deal, the premiere of this movie. I'm so glad you mentioned that movie because that would have been one of my runners-up. Yeah. Um, it's very exciting that this movie is coming, um, especially, like you mentioned, everybody wanted to work with Barry Jenkins after Moonlight happened. And when this movie was announced, it was a bit of a relief because he's going from Moonlight to doing exactly what he wants to do. He's not going to do some cash-in. He's not going to, you know, follow money or anything he's doing an adaptation of a novel that is difficult to adapt and he's doing it much in the mold of what we already liked about Moonlight, right? Where he's getting this incredible cast um, telling kind of an interior story. Um, Yeah, I couldn't be more excited for this film as well. I full-on gasped when I saw it in the lineup. Oh, were you not expecting it? I wasn't, actually. Like, I had... I need to learn to not listen to my hunches because my hunches are usually wrong. (laughs) My hunch was that it wouldn't go. And you mentioned the Telluride connection because he is really well embedded in Telluride. He's worked as a presenter there before. He's done part of their programming as well. So it is shocking that it is not going there. So what did you almost go with besides Beale Street? 
Um, there, there's a lot. Um, there is a movie coming out of Cannes that was tipped for Cannes prizes that didn't win anything. I'm talking about Lee Chang Dong's Burning, which is um, just sounds completely up my alley. Um, it, it's uh, basically uh, sounds like it's supposed to be some kind of latent love story of a revisited person from uh, a childhood past who may not be who they turn out to be um, and just a, an incredible drama. Just the word out of it in can is incredible and it sounds right up my alley. And I'm also excited for um, <laughs> people who follow me on Twitter will also know I am somewhat of a Jason Reitman fan. And sure. He was having two movies this year after Tully, which is still my favorite movie of the year. He is coming with The Front Runner, starring Hugh Jackman and Vera Farmiga. Um, it is a true story of, remind me the candidate's name. Uh, Gary Hart. Who was scandalized in the 80s, kind of considered one of the first um, examples of a campaign that was derailed by sensationalized media. Yeah, sex scandal for sure. Yeah, that was one of the big 80s sex scandals. Narrowing this down was really difficult and anything I I have like 10 movies here for this category that I could have mentioned. A couple I wanted to mention that I haven't gotten to. Uh Alfonso Cuarón's Roma, which is a Netflix production netflix will be distributing this one um it's already it had already been announced as the centerpiece to the new york film festival before it gets there it's going to play toronto um it's very exciting to me covering the kinds of things that i do with streaming to see netflix go big in this way um i can get as down on netflix as any for sort of spewing mediocre garbage out of a fire hose at us every week um but that said, I'm always going to want to see them invest in quality in this way. And I feel like this fall, you can see it in their lineup that they are making a turn towards investing in quality. That doesn't mean that there aren't a whole... I mean, I reviewed a David Spade Netflix comedy last week. Like, it's, you know, you're taking the bad with the good. But I want to... So long as there is good, like a new Alfonso Cuarón movie, I'm very excited. It's supposed to be autobiographical. Um, about his uh, experiences set in Mexico City. It's in black and white. It's all very exciting. Shot in 70 millimeter. Yeah, there's so much to be excited about with this movie. So our next category of discussion here is not the film you're most excited for, but the performance you're most excited for, which is maybe, you know, maybe you've got some questions about the movie itself, but this is an actor we're really interested in playing a part that sounds interesting. Joe, I have a feeling that we're going to pick the same number one. Okay. Because I know you like this performer, or I think you like this performer. Okay. My most anticipated, it's a movie that we've already talked about, so I'll keep it brief. My most anticipated is Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk. She'll be playing the mother of the lead role. Um, We've already seen what goodness can happen from a mother role in a Barry Jenkins movie, to put it in reductive terms. But Regina King, I'm hopeful that this will be a larger platform for her to be as appreciated as I think she always should have been. Um, She's been appreciated on TV. I mean, she's a multiple Emmy winner. Um, But hopefully this will put her closer to the upper echelon. Yeah, I feel like when she won that first Emmy for American Crime, 
it felt like a, a key had been placed inside a lock and we all sort of got to let out how much we love her. And maybe we all didn't realize we were all on the same page about it. We all sort of had our little sort of secret favorite Regina King performances because she's not somebody who has ever really had lead roles or occasion to have kind of the culture as a whole come together about her in a way that, you know, a Viola Davis has or Taraji P. Henson has. Too few, you know, black actresses get this opportunity. So I feel like when she won that Emmy and the reaction was so exuberant and I feel like everybody realized like, oh my God, yeah, we love her. And I feel like that kind of enthusiasm for an actress can go a long way. So I am definitely with you there. I'm so I'm still to this day so surprised that she wasn't swept up in the Ray storm and got some traction for a nomination for Ray. Yeah, I agree with you. I think she's really really fantastic in that movie and I think her performance bolsters that movie in ways that it really needs and Oh, absolutely. that it was a best picture nominee and yet she didn't get anything is a real bummer in hindsight for sure. My choice is probably a little bit more pedestrian. Um, I have a couple of really interesting runners-up, but I feel like my main one, I'm just so curious to see... I know where you're going with this. ...what Lady Gaga is going to do in A Star is Born. I'm just... I don't... My expectations aren't that high, and yet what a thrill it would be to see her surpass them. And I do think that the expectations generally for people are low, and I think that's going to play to her and the film's benefit. I hope so. I, I mean, clearly Warner Brothers is behaving with a lot of confidence about this movie. That they are... Well, I, Go ahead. I should caveat my statement and say I don't think actually the expectations for the movie are low because they are right out there in front. But I agree. On. Yeah, I feel like Warner Brothers is being very confident about this movie. I think they are, that they're playing the festivals, that they're not sort of keeping this under wraps and letting the hype carry it away. I mean, it's going to sink or swim once once critics start seeing it. Now, festivals can be a way to build up hype for something. I think you saw that with La La Land. I think La La Land went a long way on how much those initial festival audiences really fell in love with it. And there's something about a film festival where, you know, the atmosphere is great. You're among people who just are in love with movies. And to see a movie that is also in love with movies, it can be intoxicating. And A Star is Born being such a, you know, it's so tied to film history with all the other versions of it. And because it's about a performer and it's, an actor who a lot of us really love and Bradley Cooper and we're also interested in Lady Gaga. And so maybe that is the strategy on Warner Brothers part is that they can kind of ride that festival enthusiasm and maybe hoping that like excitement will breed excitement, which is, you know, as good of a strategy as any, but they're not hiding this movie. And if it's terrible, people are going to say so. And well, and I was going to say that this movie doesn't have to go to fall festivals. They could release this movie without that, and it would still have a shot at making some money. I agree. Especially with the anticipation. So it's it speaks a lot of confidence that they're even going. I agree. 
Yeah, my runners up, um, I've got Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is the new film from Marielle Heller, who gave us Diary of a Teenage Girl. This is another Fox Searchlight film, and that they're opening this in the fall and they're doing the festivals really gives me hope that this is the crossover Melissa McCarthy dramatic, even if it's like comedy drama hybrid, dramatic role that I feel like she has in her. I think... I think she's such a gifted comedian and I would never want her to sort of turn her back on that fully, but I think there's a really great dramatic performance in her. And I think this is a really interesting story. She's a writer who starts cribbing memoirs, cribbing uh, true life stories um, to get ahead. And she's, it's a fascinating character that I feel like she could really bring to the forefront and I'm I'm incredibly hopeful. I know you're a little bit more skeptical of this, Chris. Every time I talk to you I'm about this... I'm a little this... skeptical, though I'm glad you brought it up because this is a decent segue to one of my other ones that I am anticipating from the same film. I am really curious to see, because it looks like it'll be an interesting spotlight role, what Richard E. Grant is going to do in this movie. The fact that they name him in the trailer makes me feel like it's a really substantial and possibly very funny and... Fun, interesting role. He yeah. plays essentially some type of confidant to her. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just very curious for the reasons that you've said, and I've always thought that he was an interesting, funny performer. Just like waiting for that kind of role to agreed give him his due. Um, what other performances are you looking for? I'm excited What's for one more. Jake Gyllenhaal and Carey Mulligan in Paul Dano's movie Wildlife that seemed to go over very well at Cannes. And then one that I is completely new to me um, is a movie called Red Joan uh, that stars Judy Dench as a Russian spy in I Feel Like I'm Sold. I feel like I'm sold already, right? Like you don't have to tell right. me anymore. I was surprised to see that movie show up because, to my understanding, that was supposed to be a 2019 movie, and it still could be. Yeah. But they're still taking it to the festival. Um, you stole my other one, which was Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Which I I think we both love Carrie Mulligan. And yes. This it, this seems like a showcase for her, um, for wildlife, for this domestic drama. Um, I guess one other one that I would throw in there, and it's kind of, this is not to be the contrarian one, because everybody is excited to see Timothy Chalamet again in Beautiful Boy, where he is a meth addict, and it's a true story. I am far more curious, well, I wouldn't say far more, but I am I'm definitely piquing my interest towards what Steve Carell is going to do in that movie. Um, I think Steve Carell is a great performer. I know his dramatic work is a little bit uh, mixed in what people think. Um, I just always think he's very interesting. The female supporting cast of Beautiful Boy I'm also anticipating, which is Maura Tierney and Amy Ryan as the mother figures. Um, Let me tell you, if Maura Tierney is good in that movie i will run a mile with that i love more Tierney. yeah she plays the stepmom in that and then amy ryan plays uh timothy chalamet's mom both of those performances yes. i'm hoping get uh substantial i feel like amy ryan you see a lot of her in the trailer you don't see as much more tyranny but i'm really hoping that right. both of those actresses get some stuff to do because i'm excited um next category what movies do you see on this list that you're maybe a little bit nervous about that you know 
you'll you'll see them perhaps, but you are not the most. You're not really sold on them. Okay, so just as a small little tidbit, I will, and we talked about it already, I am a little nervous about A Star is Born because it is so out in front, uh-huh. um, and the risk factor is high. Um, the next one, I I will just say this one, the big one, which we all kind of cringed a little bit about the trailer, I am not a This Is Us watcher. Oh, right. Life, is sel- Life itself looks like it could be Collateral Beauty 2. It definitely uh, has that possibility. Definitely. It is intergenerational sort of family story. The inspiration continents. Yeah. And the inspiration feels very like caked on. Yeah. I feel like yes, but I also feel like there's a chance it could sweep me up in spite of myself. I am also not a this is us person, but I feel like if I were, I might be that person who sort of like gets caught up in it every week. Um, and sort of a there but for the grace of God kind of a situation right. that I never really started watching it. Not that it's, you know, so terrible. Um, what has you concerned, Joe? So I I am not not a fan of Jason Reitman. I am, I think, less of a fan of Jason Reitman when he's not working from a Diablo Cody script, which does make me nervous about The Front Runner. We talked about that a little bit. Um... And the fact that it's Hugh Jackman in the lead role, who I think Hugh Jackman is a very good actor. I think there are certainly times when he is given free reign to go over the top. And that would, I mean, not knowing the tone of this, unless maybe they're, you know, running with the sort of political farce of it all, of a campaign that went to hell because of a sex scandal. But... If they play it straight and Jackman kind of hams it up, that to me is perhaps has disaster written all over it. I also am not super enthused about the uh, Jacques Odiard's first English language film, if only because it's I was going to bring that up as well. The Sisters Brothers. I'm not a westerns guy. And that trailer, I didn't quite know what to make of it. Which sometimes it's good. Sometimes if a movie's tone is a little inscrutable in the trailer. That means that they're just doing something interesting and odd and different. But I don't know. You said you also had reservations about the Sisters Brothers? I have some reservations about that one as well. It seems like it's a lot of elements going on at once, but it also, I'm a little worried because it seems like they're kind of dumping it a little bit. It's being released by Annapurna, which also has If Beale Street Could Talk. It also has the Adam McKay film that's coming later this year about Dick Cheney starring Christian Bale and Amy Adams. And this seems like their lower priority. Um, yeah. Even though you have these big name actors. Um, Who, have, who's like, in that world renowned director. You have Jake Gyllenhaal, John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix, and Riz Ahmed. Yeah, it's a good cast. So it's a great cast that you should be more excited to watch them be in a goofy western together. The tone, like you mentioned, the tone of the trailer—it's very odd. It could be a retreat of the Coen Brothers a little bit, which I don't know if I want to see Jacques Odiard make that movie. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few things to be concerned about with this movie. Couple runners up for me also. Ben is back, which is uh, Lucas Hedges. And Julia Roberts in a family seemingly 
comedy drama or maybe just a drama. IMDb has it listed as just a drama, which is interesting. Julia Roberts is his mom. It's directed by Lucas Hedges' dad, Peter Hedges, who directed uh, other movies, but directed Pieces of April. And for that, I shall maybe never forgive him. Um, I really, really, really dislike that movie. and That is a very maligned movie. I know. I don't like to pile on things, but... Uh, it it's, it makes me so concerned, and because like Lucas Hedges is shaping up to have such a big year, he had two movies actually that I kind of expected to show up in the TIFF lineup: Boy, uh, Boy Erased, and Mid Nineties, the Jonah Hill movie that just today got a trailer. Um, didn't show up with either Boy, one of those, which isn't to say that those those won't get added later. But um, this that's a good transition though to our next category. Uh yeah. So what what movies what we'll be discussing now what do we hope to show up in the lineup in further releases? Yes. So as Chris mentioned before, Toronto has hundreds of movies and we only got about 40 something today we got gala presentations which are the big sort of premieres and then special presentations which is just like whatever we want and there will be a lot more special presentations still announced to go they have a bunch of different programs there's midnight madness just to give you a sense of what that that last year disaster artist was at midnight madness revenge uh was at midnight madness um that movie the ritual cell block brawl and cell block 99 um so a lot of those sort of horror movies genre movies that kind of thing there's usually something really fun in there there's the Masters program, which last year got us movies like Faces Places, um, Happy End by Michael Haneke. There's documentaries. There's contemporary world cinema, which is just a ton of movies by these really great international directors. There's the Discovery platform or program, sorry, which always has you know a few breakouts and. The Platform Program, which, you know, same. That was where Death of Stalin performed uh, last year. So Brad Status, I think, was last uh, last year in Platform. Brad Status. Moonlight and Jackie were in Platform the year before. Yeah. So there's a lot still to come. Chris, what are you most hoping gets added to the TIFF lineup in the coming weeks? Uh, the one that I bemoaned the most, the title that I probably looked for first because it was the most expected that is not there, Yorgos Lanthimos' The Favorite. Yeah. I. It was announced as the New York opener earlier this week, and they announced it as a New York premiere, which certainly seemed like uh, the title of that guaranteed that it would be at Toronto. It still could be, but as of right now, we have no word that it's going to Toronto. Um... It's a Yorgos Lanthimos, like, almost, it seems like a spin on Barry Lyndon in the Yorgos Lanthimos way of dark humor, but it's a costume drama um, about rivals to the queen, uh, or rivals to the queen's favorite, or her favorite, um, with (laughs) Olivia Coleman, who famously was so brilliant with Lanthimos in The Lobster. So good. So great. Um also with Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone competing for her affections and the queen is going crazy. Um, I'm 
desperate that this shows up because I'm dying to see this. I am not super optimistic that it will, if only because, as you mentioned, it got announced as the opener for the New York Film Festival. And the way they worded it there, they said New York premiere, which means it's going to premiere somewhere in the United States first, or else they would have said American premiere. Uh, which so tells be going to tell your which tells me it's going to tell your and I wonder if between Telluride and New York, that they wouldn't do a third North American festival. And that is pure speculation on my part. And they very well might. But um, I'm not... It would seem very strange for this movie to not go here. After the last two Yorgos Lanthimos... Or last three, I think. Did Alps play there? I think it did, but I can't be positive. So Yorgos Lanthimos is a regular for Toronto, and it's also a Fox Searchlight film. And they usually take most of their product there. It will be very strange if this movie doesn't show up there. No, I agree. Yes, Alps did play Toronto after it played Venice. I think that's. I think that all makes a lot of sense. I wonder if this being the first time that there's this kind of expectation on a Lanthimos movie, that maybe that's the reason for the change. But who knows? Um, yeah. A couple that I was surprised didn't get announced here. They're not necessarily my most anticipated. Uh, Boy Erased, which I mentioned, which is a Lucas Hedges movie directed by uh, Joel Edgerton about ex-gay conversion therapy. therapy. That one hasn't been announced. I kind of expect that that one will. Also, Mary Queen of Scots, the Josie Rourke movie about Queen Elizabeth and uh, Mary Queen of Scots, played by Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie. Very exciting, but I think the one I'm most curious about, and I don't know whether it will play any festivals at all, is Backseat, which is the current title of the Adam McKay movie about Dick Cheney starring uh, Christian Bale and Amy Adams. His previous movie was The Big Short, which played AFI. Um, And honestly, Backseat to me, because it's a later release, it speaks to me like it would go to AFI or it could get the closing night slot at New York. Yeah. That seems, that seems uh, very, very much a possibility. The other one I would, I'm kind they were still filming this movie this year. Yeah. So it may not have the time. The other one I was looking forward to that I'm kind of hoping shows up uh, in later announcements is Gloria, the remake of Gloria from director Sebastian Lelio uh, remaking his own film, uh, this time, Julianne Moore in the lead role that won Paulina Garcia the acting award at the Berlin Film, Film Festival. Older, not old, but older, divorcee, uh, seeks out sort of a new start in life. Uh, this one's going to be set in Los Angeles. The original Gloria has, I will always say it, one of my very favorite, very last scenes ever, very last shots. It ends on the perfect note. And the remake is either going to do the exact same thing, in which case, yes, except I won't be surprised by it, or it will change it, which, you know, artistically is probably the right decision, but I will be so mad. So (laughs) either way, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's such a great role for Julianne Moore, and I think it would be interesting to see her partnered up with Sebastian Lelio. I agree. Some other things that would be on my longer list. Um, I mean, Suspiria is right there with the I, favorite. Uh, of I me figured desperately needing to see that movie. Yeah. Um, and the I think the surprise factor of it not showing up because it's at the point that this episode airs, Venice lineup will be out, but it's heavily rumored to be in Venice. Um, 
I'm a big Suspiria fan. I'm just really excited by the even idea of a Luca Guadagnino horror film. Um, some others I've Netflix has Tamara Jenkins follow up to the savages. It's called private life with Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti. It played Sundance. It's about a family trying to conceive. Um, I don't even need to know the plot line or a cast to be ready for another Tamara Jenkins movie. Um, and then one that I'm kind of surprised that I'm really intrigued to see this movie that I think definitely will show up either in Midnight Madness or in maybe the Masters selection is Gaspar Noe's Climax. Oh, wow. Okay. I've The word out of can, everybody was like, I truly thought I would hate this movie and it's one of the best things I saw. Yeah. It's, it's true to Gaspar Noe form. It is this hyperactive extreme film about a dance crew that gets poisoned, I believe, and they all go crazy. Not that a plot line matters for a Gaspar Noe movie because it's just going to be a trip. Um, But he's a provocateur probably most known to listeners from Irreversible, which is a notorious can, like, booing session where there were so many walkouts because of an extended dreadful rape scene um he also recently had the 3d um sexually explicit film love that was just such a snooze but i'm actually kind of excited to see this one that's fantastic i feel like we are in for several more weeks of very exciting new movies added to the toronto lineup um we hope we've gotten you listeners excited for it if you are going if you are not going and and hoping to experience it vicariously through us we will be happy to oblige yeah i think that's our episode today so if you want more this had oscar buzz you can check us out at the tumblr as always this had oscar you should also follow our twitter account at had underscore oscar underscore buzz chris where can the listeners find you and your stuff uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Chris V File. That's F E I L. You can also find me at the Film Experience, where I'll be talking Oscar ephemera, soundtracks, and lots of other great stuff. Um, yeah, and follow me on Twitter. Excellent. I am also on Twitter at Joe Reed. That's spelled R E I D. You can also read me every day at Decider.com, talking about film and television and everything that's on streaming. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever. I'm not going to tell you where to listen to your podcast. It's a free country. You do what you got to do. You can listen to us on all of them. All of them or, you know, one of them. You pick. That is all for this week. We will see you at our regularly scheduled time uh, next week, but we hope you'll be back for more Buzz. Buzz.